I was hoping he'd dance a little more on there. That's what I was hoping. Or maybe we'd get a little live. Is he, is he coming back out? No, I'm just kidding. He's not. I'm just joking. No, I appreciate uh, Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Nick putting all those together and working so hard on announcements. My name is Pastor Dennis, the lead pastor. It's a privilege to be here. You know, each week when I uh, come on a Sunday, actually every single day I drive onto this property, I just thank God that I get to be involved in this church and get to know you all. I feel like I've known most of you my whole life, even though it's only been a few years, and uh, I just love it here. I love this church. Love everything that goes on here. I know, I know the women had a, an event yesterday. I heard it went really well. They didn't invite me, but I heard it went really well. And uh, I know they started a Secret Sister connection, you know, and um, if you didn't get a chance, you're still time. You can grab one of the forms at the information desk, and those just need to be turned in by, I think, the 28th. Uh, we do have a Connect Lunch today. If you are new, I know it said on there to register, but you, you can come even if you didn't register already. We'd love to have you and get to know you. And so I just, um, I just love people joining and being part of this church. It's exciting. Hey, we are in this series that we've been doing, and it's called uh, How to Ruin Your Life. Anybody ruin their life lately? And as you might see, I mean, it's a little tongue-in-cheek. We're not, we don't want you to ruin your life. And I mentioned this a couple times, but I just want to remind you, we've been doing this series in conjunction with the kids' department. So Pastor John is teaching a similar, uh, similar points with the children. Of course, it's going to be a little different because they're kids and, and you are adults, and so we want to, uh, but we, we did that in purpose so that if you're perhaps maybe driving home today with your kids and you can say, hey, what did you guys learn today? And you can kind of share kind of stories and some of the similarities there. And last week, I kind of quizzed you on ways that we don't want you to ruin your life. But I want to remind you, but we're not going to do that today, but what I do want to remind you of is the fact that God does not want to ruin your life. You know what I think sometimes? I think we kind of get the wrong impression about him because there's certain things that we want to do and, and he knows they're not the best things for us. And because of that, because there's some restrictions here and there and we, we're just basically selfish. I, I'm sure most of you are not that way, but... It just turns out that there's times where because, because he has better way for us to live that, that it feels like he's trying to restrict us or keep us from having fun. <laughs> I, I was talking to somebody not too long ago and they were younger than me, which, which happens more and more often. I don't, I don't know that, why that is. But as we were talking, I said, remember when you used to get toys for your kids for Christmas and you'd have to put them together? And they just kind of looked at me like, really? You have to put them together? Like... <laughs> Yeah, you don't remember that? Anybody else remember that? Now the big challenge is getting them out of the package, because the package, the way they do them, is, is a challenge. But it used to be you had to follow instructions. Remember? Remember, uh, maybe none of you have done this. Anybody ever put a model together, like a model car, a model plane? Okay, <laughs> fewer and fewer hands of those. But used to be you would get this model set. Maybe for some of you, you did Legos, which are similar. And you follow the instructions and it used to be if you missed a part, and, and especially if you're using model glue, you couldn't really go back and fix it. Do you remember that? Anybody ever done that and try to fix it? Oh, man. Or you ever had this happen where you're at the end and there's all these parts left over? And you're thinking, do we really even need them? Because they're not there and it looks like the picture on the box. Our lives are like that a lot of times. And you start to... You start to realize as you're going through life, like, hey, this isn't working out quite like I thought, or some of these things aren't fitting the way I thought they were going to fit. And the reason is, is because we've ignored some of the instructions, and in doing that, we kind of get the idea that the person who wrote them didn't want the best for us. <clears throat> That's not true. 
I really, if, if anything out of this whole series you could get is the truth that God loves you. He wants the best for you. Every one of his rules that he gave us, he gave them to us to protect and provide for us, to give us a better life. His life, the one he wants for us, his will for you is the best thing. <clears throat> I remember Pastor Nubi and Eunice are here today. It's good to see you guys. And I remember I was sitting kind of right back there, right where Sharon and Jerry are sitting one Wednesday night. And I remember Pastor talking about how a lot of times we kind of cast off this idea. We, we say, hey, I want this and this and this, but God, whatever your will is. You, you know, we say it that way. As if his will is not actually the best thing. Our, our will is what we want, but then we're like, well, okay, I guess if it's got to be your way. <clears throat> and what we don't realize in that statement and in that attitude is his way is actually the best possible thing. And we should be praying for that before we even think about what we want because what he wants is good. Let me just share these verses with you again. John 10, 10, and this is the amplified version. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life. <clears throat> I want to repeat that. That they may have and enjoy life. Your God, the creator of you and this world, wants you to enjoy this life. He does. He created a world for you to enjoy. He created relationships for you to enjoy. His best intention for you is enjoy life. And then it goes on. It says, and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. The best possible thing. I love this verse too. Uh, God knows the plans he has for you. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And one of my recent favorites, I get teased a lot of people like it. Every verse is your favorite. No, well, okay. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. If it's good, it came from him. And it comes down from the father of lights, the creator, the sustainer of the heavens, in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning, for he is perfect and never changes. He's good. He's a good God, and he wants good things for you. So in this series, we've been talking about all these silly things we as humans do that literally will ruin our lives. Now, this one we're going to talk about today. At first, because we're kind of, I'm kind of touching on a pop psychology thing, so I know some of you might even have this phrase up in your house, and I apologize in advance. All right, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings or offend anybody. I just want you to at least hear me out, okay? Before you make a snap judgment and say, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. That's okay. I understand that. I, I probably don't. Have you ever heard this? You got to live in the moment. In and of itself, it doesn't sound that bad. Live for the moment. And if what you mean by that is to be present in the moment, that's fine. I get that. I mean, in our day of social media and cell phones and constant interruptions and TV and radio and, I mean, very few of us are ever without some kind of distraction. Yeah, we need to live in the moment. We need to actually appreciate where we are, when we're there, and who we're there with. Yes, totally agree with that. Totally. What I don't agree with, and the way that this particular statement would ruin your life, would be things like this. Let me rephrase it. I want what I want, when I want it, and <laughs> because what I want will make me feel good now. Right now is all that exists, and I only want to do what makes me feel good now. 
You know what's interesting about that statement? That way, defined that way, it kind of gets back to the original sin. I mean, really, the base sin of probably every other sin. It's selfishness. It's what I want. I want to do what I want in my moment now for me. If it makes me feel good, then it's good. <laughs> Can I give you a little mind bender? Do you, do you like that when you hear thoughts that are just like, whoa, mind blown? You ever seen that mind blown? Boom. My daughter did that to me. She came from college and she said, <laughs> she's laughing right now. What if dogs only lick us because they know there's bones inside? <laughs> I have not been able to stop thinking of that. And every time one of our dogs come, I'm like, don't even, don't even, don't even get near me right now. You know what's weird, though? They never lick, lick the fake leg. I'm just saying. <laughs> Somehow they know. Somehow they know. <clears throat> I actually, this is so off topic. I had to take it off for some reason in the living room the other day. And it was funny because one of our dogs just kind of looked at it and like, what? And it started looking around and looking around and looking around. I thought, how would you, they, I guess they know what doesn't look right, I guess. So, <clears throat> okay, forget that mind bender if you can. <laughs> Sorry. I know it's hard to do, right? Because you're like now thinking of, you're sus suspect of every dog. I would be suspect of some dogs, but <laughs> anyway, Sorry. Now, here's a real mind bender about this. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Think about this for a minute. I'm going to say it very carefully, so I'm going to read it so I don't mess it up. Today is tomorrow's yesterday. Do you get that? Today is tomorrow's yesterday. You'll be living with that forever with today the things you do today last forever it's okay i mean i guess to say you're going to live in the moment and do whatever you want but what we don't realize sometimes is what we do in that moment tomorrow will be yesterday and you'll live with it forever and ever and ever and ever sometimes we make decisions that are so so short-sighted how do you want to look back on today how do you want to look back on the decisions that you've made and the thing is, you cannot change the past. We can't change the past. Well, all we can really do is live as if tomorrow matters, and the choices we make today are things that are going to matter forever and ever and ever. Have you ever seen this? This YOLO? Are you ever familiar with that? I mean, it was kind of popular a few years ago, but it's kind of past. But anybody know what it means? Anybody not know what it means? I know you just heard a lot of people say it, but... It's a little phrase that means you only live once. And what, what people usually intend by this is you only live once, so go ahead and do it. Just experience whatever you can now regardless because you only live once. You only get one chance to do things. So let's just do it. The problem with this is it is true you only live once. But here's what's also true. You live forever. You do only live once, but the decisions and the choices and the things you choose to do, they do live with you for the rest of your life forever and ever and ever and ever, in this life and the next life. Decisions we make aren't limited to just today. <laughs> Dave Ramsey says, you want to live like no one else, and you got to choose to live like no one else. And he brings a level of maturity to life that means that you make decisions and you sacrifices now to benefit you later. Most of the time we get to later and think, oh, I wish I could have done this. Well, if you wanted to do this, then you would have had to do it then. There's an old proverb that says, 
Um, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree? Have you heard this? Yeah, 40 years ago. Or today. <clears throat> it's a definition of maturity. To postpone gratification. It's the definition of being responsible with your choices in your life. The idea that <laughs> you get to choose. Am I going to spend everything I get or am I going to save? I'm going to wait and... Wait to have sex and serve, save it for the sanctity and safety of marriage. But the problem is we start to do things that are only for us. And if all you do is focus on what you can have right now and think about what makes you happy in the now, then there will be consequences. A lot of times there are going to be totally unintended consequences. You know what I mean by unintended consequences? You may have good intentions, maybe a good thing, but then there's all these consequences that come later that maybe you hadn't planned on. Like, how many have been watching TV and you see all the side effects of medications? And you probably, like me, you're sitting there and think, who would ever take that medicine? Oh, my goodness. I, I know that medicine is intended to, co to correct a problem, but if it means I'm going to have blurry vision, maybe go blind and not be able to sleep and lose all my hair again, and those kind of things. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. I was just going there. But uh, blackout, stroke, I mean, crazy, isn't it? I heard it said this way once. Everybody loves the, the nose end of the puppy, right? They're cute and furry and fun, and then all of a sudden they chew on stuff and make messes, and it grows up. And <laughs> Government programs are like this. I read some interesting, um, interesting stories about this, the unintended consequences. Evidently, when the British controlled India, there, there, there started to be a huge cobra infestation. I mean, really, let's think about it. What's, what's worse than that? I don't think there is anything worse than that, <laughs> a cobra infestation. So here's what they thought. Let's put a bounty on cobra skins. That makes sense, right? Because, the, they, you know, it's, what do we call it now? We call that crowdsourcing, right? <laughs> People are going to go out, and they're going to take care of the problem. So they did that. They put this huge bounty on cobra skins. Undetected consequences. Can anybody see what's coming here? Human beings are ingenious. They're just ingenious, you know. So what they found is actually... I can make more money raising cobras than working at my job. So what ended up happening is all these little cobra farms sprung up, unbeknownst to the British government. But all of a sudden they realized, we're getting all of these cobras and we're still thigh high in cobras. So they canceled the program. Then what happened? People realized they had these expensive cobra farms and they didn't want that anymore. They just let them all go. And they ended up having more cobras than they started with. I know. I know, who would have who thought? But it doesn't, it's not limited to the British government. Then the French government tried to do the same thing in uh, Hanoi with rats. And you know what they, the unintended consequences was? Put a bounty on rats and guess what they started? Rat farming. Who would have thought? <laughs> I know. But don't think there, it's just them. The U.S. did the same thing. If you think about it with prohibition, what do we create? Bootlegging, right? I guess ultimately NASCAR, because you know that's how they started. <laughs> I'm serious, stock car racing, that's how it started. I mean, you guys have seen, you know, all that, Dukes of Hazard and everything, right? And if you believe some, some versions of history, that's how JFK got the money to get elected. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Mexico did the same thing with their anti-pollution. Mexico City is the most polluted. It used to be. I don't know if it is still, but it used to be one of the most polluted cities in, in the world. And in 1989, they started something. Those of you who speak Spanish, it was called No, no Oy... Hoy no circula. If you don't know what that means, it means you don't drive today. <laughs> it's a great program, isn't it? 
So they just, what they did is they said, you don't drive on these days if your license plate ends in this number. So their plan was they would just reduce pollution by cutting out 10% of the cars on the, on the traffic. But the people still had to get places, right? And still had to get to work. So what do you think they do? Well, they're not going to walk like you want them to walk. <laughs> really? So they took more taxis, which tended to be cheaper automobiles, which produced more smog. Some people who could afford it just bought a second car to have a different license plate number. And then those were cheaper cars that put out more pollution, <laughs> right? <laughs> they actually found after a year that it, there was actually more pollution than less. Unintended consequences. If all you do is live in the moment, you never think through how it's going to affect your life and the lives around you. There's actually consequences for those kind of choices. Today we're going to look at a, a story in scripture. It's, it's pretty familiar. It's, it's the story of Jacob and Esau. They were brothers. It, it starts with their dad, Isaac. And, and their dad, Isaac, had been given a promise that was handed down to him from his father Abraham. And if you're not familiar with that, God, God came into our world and, and told us that he was going to bring a savior and he did it through a certain family. We know that Jesus was born through this lineage. And the way that promise came to Abraham, he said, you are going to be the father of a massive nation. You won't even be able to count it. It'll be, be more people than the stars, more people than the sand. And the, 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 the son that's going to come through your lineage will save the world. That is huge. And Abraham had the one son who that came through, and that was Isaac. And Isaac, he, he waited a long time to get married. He waited till he was 40. Then when he got married, his wife, Rachel, who he dearly loved, couldn't have children. We jump into this story midway in chapter 25. It says, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me, she asked. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve the younger. And then we continue with the story. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful, hunt, skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home, but Rebekah loved Jacob. One day, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. And Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Anybody ever said that? I'm starving. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What well, good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first, you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew, and Esau ate the meal. Then he got up and left, and he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. It's all perspective, isn't it? Perspective. 
I don't know that Esau was really thinking clearly. I doubt that he was thinking about the consequences or the ramifications of that decision. I'm sure all it was is he was hungry. He wasn't really looking long term. If you could imagine this, can you imagine if we could know the future a little clearer? Almost like have cons- cosmic telescope and we could see out into the future what our choices meant. How many of you ever seen one of these movies or TV shows where they toy with that idea of the timeline? And they, they toy with the idea of if we could go back in the past. Any decisions you'd go back and redo? <laughs> you think? What if you did? How would things be different? Think about this for a minute. And those of you who are, who are children in the room, maybe you think about it more. But what if your parents married somebody else? You wouldn't be here. All those choices. Think about all those choices. I mean, where you choose to live and what job you choose to take and where you choose to go to school and which way you drive to work. And, and maybe you had an accident and then you thought, if I had just turned left instead of right or left a little earlier or a little later. I mean, every one of these choices we make have consequences down the road. And we don't have the benefit of knowing a lot of times what they will mean. But we make these choices and some of them we make them so rash and so not caring about how it affects everybody around us. Remember that movie, Back to the Future? I'm not necessarily recommending it because I know we've tried to watch it with our kids a few years ago. And like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize I cussed so much in the movie. But in that movie, there's this picture of him. And because of his choices, he starts to fade out of the picture. Out of existence. <laughs> we just can't do that, though. Life, life, God doesn't give us that ability. Stephen Covey, he wrote this book about the seven habits of highly effective people. He talked about begin with the end in mind. Here's the thing I want you to think about. The end I want you to think about is our real goal is actually forever. And I know this is mind bender, huge things, not like the, the dog licking you or anything, but real things. I mean, we really do live in an eternal sense forever. I, I know our lives begin and end and we wake up and go to sleep and we have a beginning and ending to everything. And you start a job, you retire, or you end the job or you change jobs, you go to somewhere else, you start school, you end school, you have a test, it's over. I, I get that we live in a world where everything has a beginning and a clear ending, but, but the truth is we are eternal beings and we live forever. And if we thought more often about how the decisions we make will affect us going forward, I think that would change things. Not about temporary gratification, whether... We're going to be popular or not, or money, or, or fun, or pleasures, or so often we chase what doesn't last. And when we're gone, will any of that really matter? Well, what will really last? What will count? The career we chose, or the money, or a bank account, or how nice your garden looked, or how fit you were, or if you're famous, or powerful, or you ever seen a trailer pulled behind a hearse? I actually did see that once. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. I went to this, this funeral for a biker, and he had his bike trailed behind the hearse. <laughs> I remember everybody was just kind of like, huh, okay. But you know the reality? It didn't go with him. It went back to wherever it went, came from. It didn't even stay there. <laughs> in, a, in a way, it, w- it made the point more poignant because as they pulled up in the cemetery, and we're all sitting there, and and waiting for the casket to be brought, the bike was still there. Nothing goes with us into eternity. Except your relationship with God, your relationship with the people you love, 
think about what really, really does matter in life. Those things don't. We live for the next life. Now, Esau and Jacob, they were clearly different people. I mean, you know, the one was outdoorsy and the other was more in the kitchen and home. And, you know, I, I don't know if you relate to either of those or maybe because you are more of an outdoor person, you think less of Jacob or whatever. I get all that. But the truth is, when we think about these guys, they were different. One was daddy's boy. One was mama's boy. One of them seemed to be more about making rash decisions and not thinking about the consequences, while the other one definitely thought it through, didn't he? You almost wonder, did he plan it this way? I've heard it described this way, the most expensive bowl of soup in all of history. <laughs> you know, I hear what the soup was made of, and I'm thinking, hmm, if it was barbecue, maybe. But really, lentils? <laughs> okay. You know, I thought about this a lot. I wondered, maybe hunting, he just didn't get anything that day. Maybe he'd been hunting for a bunch of days. He's probably famished. He's out there working, walking. Who knows if he had slept? He was hungry, hungry, hungry. He probably started smelling that as he walked in. Here, think about this for a minute. I mean, they lived, they, they were a wealthy family. When he says, sell me your birthright, what does that even mean? To us today, it, it, it doesn't mean a lot. I mean, some people get an inheritance, some people don't. I mean, it's not as common as it was then. And for a wealthy family like that, with only two children, here's how it worked. The eldest son, the one with the birthright, would get a double portion of whatever there was. And what that meant was everything. So in essence, it would have been split into thirds. The older would have got two-thirds, the younger one-third. And if it was all just about that, then actually Esau was right. Hey, what good is this going to do me if I, can't, if I don't even live past today? In a way, right? I mean, do you ever think about that? He's actually right. There's no, herd, no trailer behind the hearse thing. I mean, what, what good does all this property and money and all this have to do? Because it wasn't just that. I've read that story a million times, and I've thought, what a foolish guy. All he did was he traded. It was all about the money. It's not about the money. It wasn't about the money. Here's what it was about. It was about that spiritual heritage that I started off with today. I never thought about this before. It was about the spiritual heritage. That's why it says that he despised his birthright. It, he, what he despised, because those boys would have been raised from as soon as they could understand language, that you are sons of an inheritance that is going to change the entire world. They would have been raised from the very beginning saying, Grandpa Abraham was spoken to by God and he left his people and traveled to this land because God gave it to us. And you are not only inheriting this land, but you are inheriting a future which goes on for generations and generations and generations. They were raised with that. That's what he was throwing away. When he offered him a bowl of soup, he likely knew exactly what that meant. He, he might have heard it so much that he literally did despise it and say, I don't even care about all that. I just want to be outdoors. I don't know. But it's easy to kind of blow it off and think, I don't know what the big deal is. The big deal is it was prophecy. The big deal is he knew that whoever one of them was going to be the father of many nations. It's a big deal. I, I, I know that most of us have come home and said, I'm starving. Few of us have actually seen people starving. It comes down to perspective. I, I can't tell you how many times I would say that and my mom say, you're not actually starving. 
I mean, few of us have even gone without a meal unless we did it intentionally. Few of us have ever gone for weeks because we couldn't afford it. I mean, there were times in college where we ate top ramen and stuff, which that's all we had. But I could have gone home. Something else about this story, there would have been a bunch of tents there. I guarantee you there was food in one of them. I'm sure they had servants. They were wealthy. Someone could have fed him. He knew what he was doing. He was throwing it all away. Here's the thing. The things that really matter are the things of God, and they last forever and ever and ever. You have a spiritual heritage. The choices you make matter, matter, matter. I must not trade what is eternal for what is temporary. The legacy in the children you raise forever. I would never want to trade my eternity in heaven for momentary pleasure. Proverbs talks about so many times, so many places about making wise decisions. Go after wisdom. He warns, warns us to, to not be drawn away by lust or temptation or things that will only satisfy in the moment. Foolish mistake. It's hard, but we gotta, we got to look at every decision through that long lens. Things that last forever. Here's, here's one of the problems with it, though. It's that timetable, God's timetable. It sometimes isn't ours, right? And so maybe you don't see things happening soon enough. So, so what you do is you want to rush things or you want to make it happen on your own. Or you think, I'm frustrated with the way this is going, so I'm going to do it my own way. And in doing that, we, we run ahead or we run away from what God is trying to do. I noticed something in looking at this scripture this time that I had never seen before. And it, it, it really blew my mind. i got to be honest with you. I looked at how patient and faithful in decisions and prayer that Isaac was. Did, did you catch that about Isaac? I, I mentioned it quickly on purpose, but he didn't get married till he was 40. Now, if you knew that you were going to be the, the great, 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 great grandfather of a great nation, wouldn't you got with it a little sooner? He did not. And when, he, when they found Rachel for him, the Bible over and over mentions how much he loved her, how much he loved her. And what did the scripture we read say he did? He prayed for her to have a baby. I want you to think about that for a minute. What did his grandfather do? Do you remember? He slept with the wife's handmaiden. Remember? Remember that? He didn't wait on God. He made it happen. What did his own father do? The same thing. He did not do that. Instead, he prayed. One, one way to read those, that Hebrew is it not just that he prayed for her, but literally prayed with her. He was 60 years old when the sons were born. I want you to hear this for a minute. God may be slow in answering prayer, but his promises are for sure. The faith was tested, but in perseverance and patience, he prayed and believed. The answer might have been delayed, but he sure didn't act like his grandfather and his father. Instead, he prayed till the answer came. Now, Esau, his decision was immature, foolish. Instead of thinking about the fun today and in the moment, what I want to challenge you to do is it says that Esau despised his inheritance. What's really sad for him, too, is even in Hebrews, in the New Testament, it mentions it this way. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless. Doesn't that sound harsh? But now when you think about the spiritual dimension to his decision, that might make more sense. 
It wasn't just about land and money and sheep and goats. It was about the spiritual dimension. He traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. <clears throat> he didn't value those things of God like he should have valued them. He just didn't. He didn't see it for what it was. And maybe some of us today are in a similar position. If I could have someone on the piano to just take us through this altar time. Maybe some of you are made a decision that you realize you look back and you think, man, I wish I could change it. I wish so much I could change that. And you can't. You can change them going forward, but you can't go back. There might be somebody here today that even as I've been talking, the Holy Spirit's so good at this, where the Holy Spirit will speak to us and say, what you're deciding about or thinking about is just as foolish as that bowl of soup. You might need to reconsider. Here's something to think about. <clears throat> Life's not just about <laughs> you. It is about you. But it's not just you. We don't see much about Esau's life going forward. We do see that he, he did acquire things. He had things. He had family. He had kids. He has a, he's a father of a nation. I'm sure he didn't realize his decision that day, how it would affect all of his descendants forever and ever. How it would destroy the relationship with his brother and his family. <coughs> I want us to think about this together. In fact, I'd like you to shut your eyes. I just want to read a few things that, that affect the decisions that we make. Listen to this. In a very real way, our lives are the story that we ourselves are writing. The, the present moment is, is simply the pen on the pad leaving an inky trail. One thing's for certain, you can't stop the pen from writing. So why not consciously decide the story you want to be written? Surprising, but we do it all the time. We make choices without considering how they will be remembered. We act as if the past doesn't even exist. Stephen Covey, I mentioned him a minute ago, and that's that book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. When he talks about Beginning with the end clearly in mind, he says this. He uses this example. He says, think of your 80th birthday party. And the purpose of the party is for your loved ones to honor you and express their feelings and to toast your life well spent. Imagine that you're that person being honored. What would you like your loved ones to say about you and your life? How you treated them and how you displayed character in front of them and the contributions that you made? What achievements would you want them to remember? What impact would you have liked to have made on their lives? As you're sitting here today, I ask you to shut your eyes for a second. I know we've all made decisions that we would regret. I know that. Wondering if anybody here in the room is in the middle of a decision right now and then as we have been talking the Holy Spirit has been telling you you need to consult me and make a different decision I want to challenge you today to submit those choices to him because he has a plan for you and his plan is best it's best maybe you as a habit have been basically living for yourself maybe 
Maybe you're one of those people who like to control everything. And that in and of itself isn't bad. I'm not preaching against that. What I'm saying is that when you make those decisions, submit them to him and his wisdom and let him guide you in those things because they have eternal consequences. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're not even a Christian. You've been to church or a church or this church or maybe you've thought about it before, but you never really thought about how the things you do change everything. And maybe today you're willing to give your life to him and let him change those decisions for you. If that's you today, I just would ask you to, if you would raise your hand, if you would like to give him the control of your life today, would you raise your hand and we'll pray with you. I do see the hand. Anybody else? We could pray with you today. He loves you. He created you to know you and have a relationship with you. Would anybody else want to start that relationship today? All right, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'd like you to all repeat after me for this person who raised their hand. What we're going to pray basically is just saying, God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done that were wrong. And we're going to ask him to come in and change our lives. So would you repeat this after me, everybody in the room? Father God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done that were wrong. I'm sorry for living life just for me. I want you to come into my life to make me new, to guide my decisions, to guide my choices, to guide my values, the things I honor. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. For the rest of us with your eyes still closed, I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for all of us today as, uh, as Pastor Jeremy comes. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we look at our lives and the decisions that we make, each and every one of us, I pray that you will help us to consider you first in everything that we do. God, we want to honor you with all of our choices, every financial choice, every relationship choice, every conversation we have, every, everything that we value, we want to put it in the order that you want for us. Our prayer this morning is that you would be very clear with us in those things. God, that we would make good choices. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning.